0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. Welcome to episode number 95 of the Apologue podcast. I'm your host, Simon Head, and in the background, you hear my cat meowing. Here he is. Hey, if you like what you're hearing, why don't you go on to com slash and pledge as little or as much on a monthly basis to help with my hosting and gas fees. You can cancel at any time. I have four patrons right now that contribute... An amazing amount of money, and it's it's awesome. It's all going towards me being able to travel and me being able to uh, support the website on this adventure that I'm on. And it ain't cheap, folks. All right, this episode is brought to you in part by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com/slash-apolog. There's over 180 titles to choose from for your for your iPhone, your Kindle, or your MP3 player. It does a cool thing. If you have a Kindle Fire, you also have the Audible app. As if you're reading the the Kindle, you can actually pass it off as soon as you open up your app to want to start driving your car and listen to it, it carries on. So that's kind of cool. That's kind of cool stuff. Um tons of books in there, 180,000 books. So go get your free audiobook and your month uh, free at audibletrial.com/apolog. Amazon Go to Apolog.ca and click on the banner located on the right side. You can choose your country over there, Canada, USA, or UK. You can bookmark the link banners, and every time you shop on Amazon, use those links to shop, and you will be supporting the show. Cost you no extra money, and it's a cool thing to do. It's good karma. InsightRecorders.com, now dealing with download codes. You need download codes to sell virtual copies of your album over the merchandise table. Insight will help... You set up a customized page with your branding for customers to both download and purchase your music. Also, Insight Recorders deals with online mixing. If you're a band and you've recorded something in your basement and you want to have it sound awesome, send it to Insight Recorders, have it mixed, have that personal touch. Go to insightrecorders.com rates and find out more information. Go to apolog.ca shop and pre-order my new acoustic album and go buy a t-shirt. T-shirts are running out, everybody. You can also buy a four, the Foursquare square discography for $20. And every purchase you mail gets a free sticker. I have stickers. If you want a sticker, actually, just go to AppleLog.com slash contact and let me know, and I'll send you a sticker. It costs no money for me. Just I want you to have a sticker. I've been sticking around at all the coffee shops lately. So if you're in the Richmond Hill area and you stop at Tim Hortons, you might see an apple Log, um podcast sticker on one of the posts there. Like the show on Facebook, go to facebook.com slash apple.pod. Follow me on Twitter at SimonHead666. And that's all the spots for today. My guest today is Mina Shum. I flew out to Vancouver on on a work thing, and I stayed at my friend Brent and Mina's place. Brent and Mina are friends of mine going way back, like 20 years. Mina is a director. She's a writer. She's been in the movie business for a good 20, 30 years and she has built a career on making movies Her, her newest movie right now is called Ninth Floor And it's, it's a documentary And she's also done some movies Like for the past 20 years she's been making movies And it's good to be back in Vancouver Haven't been there and trying to figure out like over 13 years So everybody give it up for my friend Mina Shum Today, tonight actually, on the Apple Live podcast Apolog Um, It has been 13 years since I've been to Vancouver. Yes. And now here I am. Yes. Talking to your lovely face.
1: In my office.
0: In your office where all the work gets done.
1: Yes. All the <laughs> thinking gets done. Yeah. You don't make the films in this office, but I make them in my mind.
0: Yeah. yeah. Is this where you do, you, so you just do like normal business work stuff? Like where do you usually go and think about stories and ideas? Like, in right the here. car. Right yeah, here.
1: Right here. I wake up. My day usually starts with waking up and getting going, getting everyone out of the house mm-hmm. and then I meditate for twenty minutes downstairs mm-hmm. and then I come up here and I write
0: and I write mm-hmm.
1: till around so it's like a nine to one work day of writing mm-hmm. and I try not to answer my phone I try not to answer emails right and then after lunch, I'm either rewriting or I'm dealing with the emails and Business work, of being, work part, yeah, yeah, the the business side of the business of yeah. my of my little business, which is yeah. small, but it's, you still have to answer emails.
0: So do you write whether you need to or not, or is it just are you coming towards like a project and then and then you write something and say, here's the story, or is it just you? Because some people just need to write, create, otherwise their head gets full of stuff and then it gets jammed and then yeah. they can't put anything forth. I write every day, whether a, you need you, to or not.
1: Yeah, whether. Well, I think I need to. Yeah. yeah. I think it's therapy partly, mm-hmm. but it's also, well, okay. There's like today we're not going to write because mm-hmm. you're here and we're, I'm having summer holidays. Yeah. But but most of the time I ne- I'm always working on something. Mm-hmm. I actually, I feel quite sad if I'm not working on something. Whether, whether or not it's a um, a project that you're going to see in the end, or yeah. it's just something I'm trying. I need to be able to sort of just try to do that or else I'll, I'll kind of lose my mind
0: yeah no um, i understand that plus
1: you get better at writing that's the whole thing you the, practice it's a
0: muscle right you it's you i noticed that too with when you when i got into songwriting and it was like the more you did it sort of the freer your mind became to make more ideas become available because yeah. the inspiration is inspired by the fact that you're inspired does that make sense like it's a circle it just yeah yeah, re- yeah revolves around and i mean it's amazing like you must though in your life have times where you're like i got nothing
1: like, oh i've had it's I've been very lucky lately. I've been very full, mm-hmm. but I remember maybe ten years ago in this house, mm-hmm. um, going waking up in the middle, and I was making money directing television, which mm-hmm. is great. Yeah, really great for my craft. But in terms of my writing, I had nothing. Right. And I woke up in the middle of the night in a sweat, going, <gasps> mm. "Is that my life now? I've run out of." Th- I've run out of ideas because I've been doing this, like sort of coming up with ideas and thinking about them since I was like
0: 12. Yeah.
1: Right? Like not, you know, no one was paying me when I was 12. No. But I was practicing to do this since I was 12. And I've continued to need to practice doing this, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, of yeah. course. So growing up where you you grew up a mission, right? Well, mission? we
1: moved to, so I was born in Hong Kong. Yeah. Moved to Vancouver when I was just under a year old. Mm-hmm lived here until I was 10. We went to mission for three years and then we came back to Vancouver. Yeah, okay. So So pretty well, you know, Vancouver. Always been in Vancouver. Yeah, I mean, the mission part was important because it was interesting. It was a seminal time. Like, you know, this is like, me looking back and making mythology out of my life now (laughs) because it's of course you know we all do that right that's why we're here but but even (laughs) yeah and i'm gonna tell you about it in this podcast
0: (laughs) awesome (laughs) right after this message (laughs)
1: that's right
0: (laughs) (laughs) thanks mina paypal paypal gotta pay the bills here (laughs) yeah yeah. no no it's um
1: we uh we moved when i so 10 i think my mm, you met my little boy, Ty. Yeah. He's almost 10. And I'm really excited about this time in his life because 10 was when I became conscious of my own consciousness, mm-hmm. that it was separate than other people's and that I was different than other people. Different mm-hmm. from, like, you know, they say in parenting, it's like the first thing is separating from your parents. Well, it wasn't even, my parents were so different than the...
0: Were they the conventional, like uh, conservative Chinese?
1: Yeah, traditional Chinese parents, immigrants, yeah. who are poor, not po- who are poor. Yeah, so a certain sense of isolation. Don't yeah. rock the boat. Yeah, um, uh, they not would...
0: accustomed to how this side works.
1: Yeah, or how even the world works from a Western perspective. It's, you know, th- there's a say- saying amongst immigrant children: "Is your your parents are stuck in whatever time period they left." Whereas if they had um, um, been here or even if we'd stayed in Hong Kong, they would have continued evolving. With the times, yeah. but because they're it's like part of what they're leaving is their home and their identity, mm-hmm. so they hold on to their identity when they're in a new country mm-hmm. and they try to teach you, like, it's 1967 Hong Kong. And it's like, no, you need to keep to this <laughs>
0: tradition, yeah, that's yeah, right, because like, this no, is it's, what we're comfy with. This is
1: with. 1980s Vancouver, and there's yeah. a punk rock scene, and what, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, when the Beatles was considered scandalous in Hong Kong in my parents' time, so I grew up in that kind of household. It was kind of it was warped. There was my father had an appreciation for the arts, but never do it seriously. Like never actually yeah, get, a real, it, yeah, get yeah. a real job. Get a real job. So, but but the whole thing is so mission. I became aware of who I was, and yet I was the only uh, other than my brother and the kid whose family ran the Chinese Canadian restaurant mm-hmm. in, this, in the in the town. we were yeah. the only people yeah. of color yeah. in the well. There was some East Indian kids, but Chinese people, yeah. and so there was racism. Of course. Um, but then you deal with it. Yeah. Uh, I was a terrible, like, like I think, like, if you were going to, uh, like, a marker for me was one kid in grade six yelling at me, you stupid Chinaman, blah, blah, blah. Really? And I just turned you and say, looked at China them.
0: woman, okay?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, <like, laughs> I turned at them and I looked at them and I said, oh, yeah, you're just jealous. Snap. Nice. Right? Like, right? And yes. the kid was so flabbergasted. Yeah. That was you... such a weird.
0: Answer. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't... R- 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 yeah.
1: I didn't. I didn't cower yeah. to the threat, and instead I turned it on them, which, and actually, see, maybe maybe I was born this way, because mm-hmm. when I, like now you look at psychology, when, mm-hmm. when you talk about Carl Jung, or he, he says that um, one of his theories is if something you're suppressing will manifest itself in um, a physical expression. Yeah. So, for instance... You really want to be Chinese, but you're a little uh, German kid in mission, yeah. and you find Asian stuff kind of exotic in sure. the Bruce Lee kind of way. What comes out of your my- mouth, you know? Oh, you're you're not like us, you silly chink.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, when yeah. really,
1: maybe the guy's a little a jealous, a little bit jealous, right? Yeah. 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 There's yeah, this yeah. sort of a tr- even if, if you notice, like in patterns in society, often it's like, oh, guess what? The guy who gunned down the uh, Miami nightclub. Was Had. homo possibly gay? Yeah, closeted, closeted, and angry. self-hating. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, well, that there's a manifestation of that. So that's right. So anyway, so I m- went to in mission. It was a big deal because I was we were, I was separate. Yeah, and that created an identity for me. Yeah. I think as opposed to growing up in a community where it was more accepted to be Chinese. Exactly. you
0: yeah. and, and I'm thinking now when you when you turned it back on this kid, is that when you said the the point that it, you are exotic to him. You're unknown. You have more right. knowledge of the greater world based on the fact that you're basically dual citizenship. Yeah, yeah. You're coming into Canada fresh well, and new, dual cultures. Anyway. Dual culture. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, and you can come up in as a, a Canadian, but yeah. at the same, you have the old guard of your your whole family and everything. So to him, you're a threat, right? Because you're you're cooler than him,
1: right? Well, he wouldn't have thought that right then and there. Subconsciously but, but subconsciously, I think there was something of singling out. You always single out the different people who are different. Yeah, yeah. Um, and actually, there's a there's a, a, I learned, a friend of mine was telling me in AA, they have this thing where they say, if you spot it, you got it. Mm-hmm. So if there's someone you hate in the room, mm-hmm. there's probably a Part reason, of you in there. Part of you in there. Because
0: you hate that person because they're reflecting themselves on you. And you yeah. don't like seeing it. Yeah.
1: yeah. I do think that's, Anyway, from storytelling perspective, it's an interesting, um, it's a potent way to approach character. Yeah. But it was also the way I was brought up, right? Like, I was singled out. Well, any hero in a movie is singled out for some reason. Yeah. Why are they the hero? There's a challenge. There's a challenge, yeah. Definitely.
0: And your parents were obviously very um, supportive with your art? No, not at all. No, no, no.
1: (laughs) No, and in in fact, well, there was... Did they notice
0: spot the difference is kind of true. They said at a young age this this little girl is probably more gifted as a as a storyteller as a
1: It was so beyond my parents understanding of what you could do as a profession. So they suppressed
0: a lot of it for you like
1: Well, I remember when like another myth thing is that when I was 7, I was with my girlfriend playing in the backyard and I bent down on one knee, and I spread out my hands like Al Jolson, and I said, Mom, Dad, I want to be an entertainer. Mm-hmm. And my parents just went, You're crazy. Mm-hmm. And actually, in fact, I've sort of taken that to heart. My company is called Thoughts from the Asylum, <laughs> right? So yeah. I've always like been told I was kind of nuts. Yeah, Always in my family. Like yeah. always, you're just a little bit off, you're... Um, odd. Odd, and then even... That's Armina. Yeah, and yeah. then I tried to be normal. Like I tried to... Then the punk rock movement came so sure. that was but i tried to be normal like i even I graduated high school hoping i could do something um to make money like mm-hmm. maybe maybe i'll work at mcdonald's the rest of, for Just a couple a normal, of years keep yeah me busy keep, keep me busy keep my, at mcdonald's yeah. um, maybe i'll um realistic real uh, yeah and then i was actually thinking i'll buy real estate and flip it because that's what my parents were trying to do and yeah. not this is like in the sure. 70s when it wasn't or the 80s when it was ridiculous to try to buy property. Interest rates were 21% yeah. or something, right? Yeah. But for some reason, because the thing is, they didn't want me to go to university unless I was doing science or something practical. Asian stuff. Oh, Asian stuff, yeah. <laughs> the categories for the all the other Chinese people who go to school. Okay, yeah. we're, we're, we're dangerously close to stereotyping, this but really- it's true. But it's true. My parents were like, doctor, lawyer. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, oh, okay, you're good with your mouth? <laughs> Do law. Don't do, you, yeah. you can't no stand the arts. side of, no Please, arts. no arts. Yeah. So, but it was really clear I, um, that I, I was, I didn't want to go to university because I wasn't doing arts. Mm-hmm. So I said to my parents halfway through grade 12, I'd saw something on TV where they were interviewing an actor who had gone to the um, Royal Shakespeare School in England somewhere mm-hmm. and he was talking about his schooling and I just turned to my parents and I said I'll pay for my own education mm-hmm. but I'm gonna go do a theater degree and when they agreed to that I was like either I'm not going to school or I'm going to go study theater mm-hmm. um suddenly I was in the theater program and I went to auditions and it was like suddenly my world just was like Yay, yeah rehearsals
0: liberating yeah. yeah at the
1: same time there was the punk rock thing that was really important to me when I was I think and I hardcore 81 here Mm-hmm. Um, doa black flag. I went to the second night. It was probably the third concert I ever went to in my whole life. I was fourteen at right. the time, f- barely fifteen, maybe fifteen. It was an all ages show at the laundromat, and I immediately recognized. I mean, I think I was introduced to punk rock music through the Clash and the show sure. called Soundproof, which was yeah. a video show here mm-hmm. on our cable network that played punk rock videos. Oh right? wow! Okay. Um. So I was. It was definitely like. You know, global, the reason I knew anything about punk rock, but it wasn't until I went to the show where you had all these freaks, all different types of freaks, Mm -hmm. right? Every single type of freak that I felt that I had a common bond with these people because they were questioning everything and because none of them looked like they would be swimsuit models. I mean, seriously, sure. it was literally like none of these people look like the beautiful people that I'm also no, don't look like. Mm-hmm. I'm not on the front covers. There's no Asian women, yeah. short Asian women, aspiring, slightly, uh, yeah, filmmakers who are yeah. slightly pudgy with glasses. It's yeah. like you know, there was none of that when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really felt an affinity to the music, and that really, I think, was a big art school for me. Just yeah. going to shows and I took photos. Mm-hmm. I have tons of photos of bands from. Um, actually, it's really funny. There's a great photographer here in town called Be- Bev Davies. She did all the punk rock photos at the shows. Mm-hmm. And now that we're, you know, 30 years out from that scene, people are archiving. And like, yeah. there's a film called Bloody and Unbowed about the punk rock movement in Vancouver. And there's a, Bev Davies just had an art show. And in some of her photos, I'm in her photos with, oh, wow. with, with a, a camera. camera. And she's in my photos. of the same show right yeah yeah yeah, there's actually a great photo of um me at doa send-off in 1981 and the bass player i played ended up playing in a band when i was 17 just because i hated music at that time it was all spando ballet and i was like i can play in a band and i formed a band with a guy i was walking down the street with going to see a show at the waterfront he was like i play guitar i was like oh yeah i'm thinking of being in a band i was in university at the time and uh, we ended up forming a band, found a bass player, and that bass player is in that original photograph with Bev Davies, standing wow. behind me, yeah. and I didn't know him then, Doug Smith. Wow, it's really weird. Small scene. Yeah, I mean, like, small
0: scene. Yeah. Love,
1: like love of music,
0: and then yeah, um, but it wasn't just music. It was, it was like you know. Well, it started coming out of the seventies is pretty depressing. I mean, let's face it, right? right, like, right. like the seventies was, you know, war still and things like just the depressing everything gas. Everything was expensive, the gas wars and but we weren't ugh,
1: thinking about that as children I know,
0: but it was sort of a probably sent down from your parents though a lot of this is sort of like a send like when your your parents are in the depressive part of the 70s, it can kind of change who what your perspective is because that's your perspective is your parents right?
1: right they per they were not politically engaged like it wasn't o- only until I started voting that they started voting Oh, really so they were completely they were very much the head down. Work your butt off, immigrants. Mm -hmm. Like my dad was a security guard, my mother was a housewife. Mm -hmm. So we—I don't know how they made ends meet, but they did with three children. And so a lot of it was just like the home for Mm -hmm. them. It was very much we were very much centered around. um, But because of the high interest rates and stuff, I remember at one point feeling like we were going to lose our home. Right. they had they had just bought something that was a bit too expensive and it wasn't selling right mm-hmm. like we're talking they would go into a house and uh, spruce up the kitchen Put a paint job on it and sell it and make ten grand. Right. So we were moving all the time. A lot of work, of, just to a lot of work, get just to make back. ten. But the thing is, they they were uneducated in terms of they didn't have a university education. They didn't have my dad's had a very thick accent. Mm-hmm. His English still wasn't good all the yeah. way all the way to when he died. His English yeah. was not. Yeah. He he didn't come here till he's thirty two.
0: Right. So imagine learning, learning English, how to speak
1: yeah. or anything. Like imagine if we moved just, to Romania suddenly German or something. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. We're like, I don't understand yeah, anything. Right. Absolutely. But we're educated. That's different, sure. right? We're sort of you know how to run that board. I yeah. My dad, they were it was very much
0: coming almost, out almost like coming out of yeah, like the Stone Age is really Yeah, I mean, utilitarian. Like yeah. what can I
1: do physically? I can yeah. guard this dock yeah. for you, right? Yeah. And so, then
0: his side project was flipping houses and flipping houses and, and, and raising flippable. his family. Yeah, that's
1: it was crazy. But it's, I remember, like, you know, you're talking about you are your parents. It doesn't matter how much success I have. Yeah. Which it's like, I'm an artist. So it's sure. not like. it's Success not like, is very. It's relative. Yeah. Rel- yeah. <laughs> yeah it's relative. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I have some security now compared mm-hmm. to my parents. And yet I still like bottom. When things get really freaky, like in my work, mm-hmm. I know what I'm. My fear is someone's going to take my home. Yeah, it has nothing to do with that. Like, oh yeah, yeah. The I fact that your you actor won't come out of your trailer does not equal your, someone's going to take your home, but in your mind, because it's costing you, money. Well, and you go to your being a child again, yeah. and it's like, what was my greatest fear? Is like, oh my god, we might have we might lose this house. Yeah, yeah. Right?
0: And as as we get older, because I was a I've been a freelance sound person for well over twenty years. There's times you're like, I don't think I'm going to work this week. I don't think I'm having any money coming in. Yeah, that's right. I got to do something, and then. Eventually, something would happen, and then you'd get work, and then you would get paid. And as the time goes on, I start realizing, man, it'll happen. It happens. It's been happening for twenty years. You know, something will come along now. So my anxiety is not as high when stuff isn't coming in in droves. Right. Because I, when I accepted everything, you know, work was. I'm sure you can relate to this. All the work was coming in at once. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I've got too much work, and then you do the work, but you're not. Getting more work because you're too busy doing the work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so you're stuck, and then you hit that dry spot, and you're like, "Oh crap, what am I going to do?" What's
1: gonna well, happen? that's why it's always for me. It's like the savior is a project in my mind. Yeah, because so then just, I can look at the whole world from that perspective. Right? Yeah,
0: yeah. Right. When you when you when you work something, you're doing something. Eventually, it's not. It's a, it's cool because it's not just because it helps free your mind to do more stories. But eventually that could be work, you know what I that's mean? That's right, You could yeah. put that into something, yeah. and, and it's a circle that always feeds itself. So if you're like, if you run out of things to say and you run out of things to create, then the work stops eventually. It's the right. train eventually yeah. f- loses its steam, and then yeah. you get to work. So you feed it with stories and feed it with writing. and That's something I, I'm very it fascinates me about writing stories you know right. like because i was considering writing a biography for a band and i thought yeah. i could do that right you know I, I understand there's enough grammar spell check in my word processing <laughs> right. it could make me look smart enough i should be able to sort right. This out. right right you know i have a proofreader you know right and then the daunting task of creating it's the first couple of pages must yeah. be freaky because you're right. like but you're so comfortable with it It seems like, oh, I'll start writing the first page. For me, the first page is the most scariest thing.
1: Well, there's no such... Well, the first page only comes after you've written 20 pages of of research yeah. and thoughts
0: and... Thoughts is the big one, yeah.
1: Uh, for me, like often, I've drawn the poster. Mm-hmm. I haven't even written the film yet. But you have the I have the poster and, yeah. and I have the title. Mm-hmm. Uh, or a title that sure. will we'll do a title similar to that. Yeah. And so I know what I'm... But that's that's the nature of... I've been trained, I think, in the years that I've been doing this of like, well, what's the poster look like? And what's the trailer moments? And even mm-hmm. though I haven't written the script yet.
0: It's what you're connecting with the, the invisible people that eventually will come and see this. That's right. You want to make sure that it's uh, enjoyable on the eyes. So therefore there's a concept. Right. That well, sells it to you,
1: yeah, and sells it to myself, too, like what's it about, so that when i'm when I see so you know there's there's days where it's like you're just trying to figure out what that conversation was between your lead character and their mother, mm-hmm. and their mother's not even in the film, yeah, you're just trying to think like what backstory their history stuff. backstory was yeah. like, and you'll get lost in that for an hour, mm-hmm. and then you come back to your notes of like, right, the poster is this, it's a thriller. Hitchcock, female. Okay, that's the movie. <laughs> you that's know, insane. Yeah, yeah, no, that's very cool. And it keeps you back on it, track as yeah. opposed to kind of like... And also the other thing is when I do write, when I finally have... Like, for instance, you'll see in my office, this is post-it notes here. Yeah. Like each one... I've got um, post-it notes on a piece of poster board and I've got three poster boards. Each poster board is an act Yeah. in the film. There's three acts usually in a film. It's actually really five acts, but... In general, people talk about three acts. Did you always
0: go back to that. Is that how that works? When you you follow back to the one of the other acts, it's the similar act. No. What do you mean? Oh, I mean if it's a three act yeah um, performance yeah usually it's the scene is the act right the the whole scene that you're acting in or am I making this up because I'm thinking about theater oh yeah the three be, act play is it's three different scenes
1: yeah it's delineated differently um, well probably similar in terms of structure which is like acts are like. Um, Beginning, middle, and end. Yeah. First, yeah, yeah. first, second, third, right? But good screenwriters know, and all of you out there who are listening are all going to be great screenwriters, is that the second act is actually two acts. It's actually two two sets, sets of sequences that advance your story forward. So there's really kind of five acts that happen okay. because of that. But so I'll, this is not a complete movie that you're looking at on these poster boards. Mm -hmm. But I had to write down generally, structurally what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And now I'm going to leave it. I'm going on vacation for a couple of weeks. I'm not even going to think... I'm going to think about it in that low back burner way. Mm -hmm. But I have my template now. So that once I come back, I can fill it in more. The map's made.
0: Yeah, the map's made.
1: Now, the whole thing is once the map's solid, and it's not solid yet. But once it's solid, I work on character and... Um, then I start, when I do start to write, I tend to write very quick. Like I try to write quickly and I try mm-hmm. to not censor. There's there's this whole thing of like writing where you're trying to make it perfect at the beginning. It's like, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the biggest trade secrets in, for screenwriters and probably writers in general is something called placeholders where it's like, yeah, I'm I've got there's going to be a great joke here yeah. that's going to turn them around. They're going to fall in love. I don't know what that is yet. Yeah. So I'll write something lame. You need to get
0: to the end before you realize what the punchline of no that yeah. joke's going to yeah, be. Yeah, exactly. Guess. Like
1: what it might inform, you might have to keep going yeah. to get past that. Yeah. And so my whole thing, and it worked when I wrote my very first screenplay, was just get to the, get to the, the words the end mm-hmm. in the script. Because once you get there... That's a hundred pages. That's ninety pages. That's seventy-five pages. Let's sure. say, but from there you can flesh it out. You've got something. It, it's empowering to have evidence that your thoughts aren't in your head anymore.
0: It's proof of concept. Yeah. Proof of concept. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
1: So that's that's a big, that's a big sort of process for me is just sitting in and, and also just being it's it's tough because you're you you're your hardest editor. When you're in the process, you should be your hardest editor. Of course. Um, But at the very beginning, it's all about everything's perfect. You're at no censoring. You love, I love you. You're the best. Don't worry about typos and just go for it. I recently um like, I have a theater degree and then I have a film diploma, but I'd never done an intensive in improv before, like theater Mm -hmm. improv. Uh, We'd done it in theater school, but I decided because I was writing a comedy and the whole thing about great comedy is there's no censorship. It comes out of the top of your head from a liminal state. And it's really, there's an abandon to it. That's why yeah. that's why humor gets like, it's like, I can't believe they said that in that film. And they spoke some truth that you would didn't want to say, right? There's a lot of comedy is um, revealing what you would censor in polite yeah, society. It's also right?
0: getting people to think like you. That's so right, if you're yeah. thinking, and, and you have to start them off slow with where you're going with the comedy. That's right. And yeah. then build it into the joke, you know, yes, otherwise often. people will be like, ah, you just you came listen. to a punchline. What is that? Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I did this improv class because I wanted to be in this state of um, not knowing. In theater, there's a statement that in, in in improv, there's this idea of the nothing moment. And it's like when you're jamming in music where mm-hmm. um, two people to get together there's no ideas, no thoughts. We haven't actually talked about it, mm-hmm. and you just start laying down some chords, and I'm singing, and suddenly, we're in. A, it, that moment is no longer nothing. There's yeah. something in it, right? There's something going on, yeah. And and that I've been doing a little bit more. I have a stronger foundation to start now when I start a screenplay, but when I go, I'm I'm often surprised of where the story takes me, mm-hmm. even though I've mapped out the roadmap. Yeah,
0: but there's no. Because it's your story coming out of your brain, there's nothing stopping you from changing the gears That's right. and going, I'm going to go over here now. Yeah. And it might not make any sense, but that will all flush itself out in the end when you start doing the final proofing. That's right. Because it's not, it comes a long way from being out of that computer into a set. Yeah, right? well, like, we, all don't, the- we all don't need to even mention that. Like, there's so much that Oh, yeah.
1: On. It's like, uh, what is it? Ray Bradbury said, um, it's all about the rewrites, right? Yeah. So at first you throw up, then you clean up is what he says. <laughs> and you clean up, you clean up, you clean up. Like, yeah. uh, um, Somebody asked me, so I have a new film that I'm going to shoot January 2017 called Meditation Park. And I, somebody asked me already, and it, it was a film that the script came out pretty good off the bat. Yeah. Right. It came out because of all my training and how I approached it this time and yeah. and where the story was. It was, it came out pretty good, but somebody asked me how many rewrites I've done on it already. And this is a movie that's not, on the screen yet. Yeah. And this was an easy film. Like this was a film where it's like it's not like a complicated plot thing. It sure. was just like writing it really writing it well. Yeah. And I don't know, I'm probably like a hundred hundred drafts of it. I don't know. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Like I've killed trees for a living. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know it's 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 a perfect balance it used to I used to laugh at the fact that like when you're writing you're totally by yourself with the voices in your head. Mm-hmm. And when you're directing, you're communicating about all those voices. Yeah. It's you know, all
0: out with other people. It's production, right? So you're full a, on yeah, communicating. That was gonna be a question because when when usually I every time I do an episode, I do a little blog and I try to make like a certain amount of par- like a paragraph describing what the show's about. And I write in my voice. Right. And it's funny, Brent. Your husband said, when I gave him his, because he was been on the show last year, yeah. I said, did you, anything in there that you noticed? He goes, no, it's like you wrote it. It's like it came from you. Like right. when he read it, it, sounds like it's coming from my voice. Right. So when you write your parts and your separate characters, are you writing in your voice or in their voice? Like, is it your voice projecting into them or is it just your voice? Making the story up.
1: Yeah, I, I think that... Huh. I am writing. Firstly, I'm writing for the audience of the person who's going to give me money to get my movie made. <laughs> yeah. Or, well, often the first that first script is is about the funders, because okay. you're not handing it to your director of photography yet. You're they don't read it to, it to the Might
0: other. give you some money to help you fund that. That's yeah. right. So what you want to do yeah. is
1: make that read really clean. Yeah. Um, Really engaging. Like I, I've learned how to design a page of a script mm-hmm. so that you'll flip the page at the end. Mm-hmm. Because I've, I've, if there's a, if there's a joke and a punchline, I might give you. And it depends. It's no hard and fast rules, but mm-hmm. I might give you joke at the end of page one. So that you go and you have to flip to page two to get to the punchline.
0: Yeah.
1: Or I might give you joke punchline on page one, so you're laughing so hard, you're forced to turn to page two. Yeah. You, you wanna, need to get to the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. You want to yeah. know what happens. So. Yeah. So. Um. I, so I, I'm writing with an intention, so it isn't sure. just me. So I'm communicating to certain people, but all those characters, every single person that's in a movie of mine, is filtered through my head. Yeah. Yeah. So in a way, you are writing, but their voices are very like. The the different characters in my next film are very are are really clear. Like that's one of the nicest compliments I've gotten. Bless you. Woo. He's got allergies. No, no, it's. No, I was like, is the wind? Is it too hot? No, in here? It's, okay. I just
0: have a crazy nose. It likes to Simon sneeze. in his crazy nose. My crazy nose. That's <laughs> the movie. Let's write that movie right now. My crazy nose. Ah uh, no. <laughs> I like that movie. Sorry, you're <laughs> missing out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get right on that. <laughs> Where were we? <laughs> <laughs> I'll
1: get right on. Oh, no, so you're asking me. Yeah, so every character, like there's a family in my film. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
1: mother, father, daughter. So mother, father, 60, 65. Daughter's 40. Mm-hmm. Um, the daughter doesn't sound like me, right. except for probably parts of me. Yeah. The mother's certainly not me. The father's certainly not me, but they're all me. They're like,
0: just different, yeah, 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 yeah. Like I find iterations of your perception of what the father is or what the that's mother right is. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah
1: yeah and and thing is you have to well, like you know it's interesting you're talking about writing and voice one of the the script that's the script that has not happened yet that's sitting on in my office and i'm pointing to with the that's post-it a little notes sad right now that's yeah it looks a little for, sad right. i just was hiding it but it's um it's a thriller i've never <laughs> yeah. written a thriller before and after I wrote all the plot points, mm-hmm. it was like finding all the markers for the plot points. Where are they? Sure. I had a concept, right? It's like, what, what are the turns? I got to this point where it's like, ah, what do I do now? Because uh, I didn't know how else to take it to first draft. Mm-hmm. And I remembered, oh God, usually you start with character. So um, I have a sheet called Essential Questions. It's a theater exercise like for actors where there's 23 qu- essential questions about you that you have to answer in the first person. So suddenly I am the mother and I'm mm-hmm. going, I, uh, describe yourself in three sentences starting with the word I, I am loyal. I am good at, at mothering. I am devoted to my husband. Mm-hmm. Like, so three things that that's, but that's not Mina, no. but I'm answering it. in I, in order to get a sense of the character. So then yeah. when I write the dialogue, yeah. I'm There's already in character. Backbone, yeah. yeah. There's that yeah.
0: backbone of this, the rules you've made. About this person. Because if it was, I'm disloyal. I am this person, yeah. you know, three things. But you said three things that are good, right? Or did it didn't nope. matter? Just three anything. things. Anything. So you, I am,
1: you could say, I am sad. Yeah. Uh, I work at Walmart. Uh, you yeah. could say anything that is you can't relevant. can say Walmart
0: to- in the movie, though. Then they'll you might. To, you know, you you call might. it Supermart. <laughs> yeah, Supermart. Super, <laughs> super yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But,
1: but you, you write uncensored, and you write as if you're the character... Answering those questions.
0: Okay. Yeah. So,
1: for instance, if I was a depressed character, I might actually say, "I'm unbearably sad." As an I, yeah. as opposed to saying, "I'm a doctor." Her concern is, "I'm unbearably sad," and that's what drives. And that's what drives story. her character. It gives yeah. gives me some insight into who she is, right? So, yeah. and mean, another question at, at the end of the twenty, I think, question number twenty one is, um, "Describe uh, what's the first thing you do in the morning." Mm-hmm. That's something you we never see in a film. You, but, you may yeah, never yeah. see it in my movie yeah, you yeah. May, And all this character work You yeah. may never see much There's of this There's never
0: scene. the montage of the coffee being made <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, except for in one of my films probably the
0: mon- and I, then You had a montage I had a montage of a montage the coffee
1: in Drive She Said <laughs> That's right <I> that.
0: <laughs> Sorry <laughs> How cliche and droll <laughs> Yes, coffee <laughs> Oh, yeah <laughs> Uh, it's, it's, it's interesting that you say you've, you've come up with these exercises, and that's what drives the story, but it has absolutely nothing to do with the story. That's right. Yeah. But it does in some weird way. Like, when you come up with these characters, um, do you already have the story in line? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because that yeah. would make it unbearably hard if it was like... Just characters. It's a comedy, and uh, the main actor is suicidal... Um, or, you know what I mean? Or yeah, yeah. has, um, uh, I don't know, missing a leg or something. Right. There's part of that story. There's three things about this character that, right. you know, but that'd be kind of interesting to do something in an exercise that's completely opposite to what, I guess that would be a dark comedy at that point. Yeah. You know? And
1: it's, and that actually can be the basis for what, what drives you to write that story yeah. is that you're, you're playing with the expectations yeah. So it depends why you're writing something and what it's about, right? Yeah, like, yeah. To me, I'm always thinking, like, the stories come. Like, the actual, like, why am I writing... Why did I make Ninth Floor, my last film? Yeah. Or why did I make this Meditation Park that I'm going to be doing next? Why a thriller after it? Yeah. Thematically, they share something similar. Like, there's there's always some qu- something, and it's something that sure. I'm interested in, yeah. right? Like, Ninth Floor, uh, how, how, how do we see and how is the power of how we see... Uh, affect everything
0: sure and i imagine coming out at such a heavy project like that that it gives you some perspective into other parts of filmmaking that you probably never even knew well i wonder
1: because it's the darkest that ninth floor was the darkest subject i've ever dealt with yeah just describe a little bit about oh yeah okay it's a documentary for the future for the national film board that i did um the premiered in 2015 Mm -hmm. and it's still it's playing in competition in trinidad next month and i'm still um touring the film a little bit Mm -hmm. but it's basically about a real incident in history that nobody knows about in montreal in 1969 six black students charged a white professor with racism and they were also all under surveillance at that time just because they were black Mm -hmm. just because of their color and so um i couldn't believe that they were actually under surveillance, and that they actually called racism in '69 as new immigrants. Like that was so interesting to me um, that I started investigating the characters and yeah. the participants of the. Uh, sure. Like I call them characters, but it's like to me because it's like who are these people that made this story yeah. happen? And it's whether, whether so it's,
0: forgotten about that you. It's a, like fresh canvas. Fresh not, canvas. Like, Nobody knew little anything bit about. Of it. Information out there. There's yeah. no Information, but
1: it's the the darkness of society at that point, and how. Um, how we were we as a society at that time were not making the most right choices, I think, yeah. in terms of how we deal with each yeah. other. I really wanted to look at. Yeah. It showed me I mean, I've never cried so much making a movie because it was so sad. Like yeah. I was really affected by the participants and how it affected their lives. I was affected by their courage. We are still every day in our in our world dealing with how we see each other. Right. So I, I find I found it completely captivating as a filmmaker to be able to express that cinematically, right? But also because of that story, I'm pretty sure... I mean, there's Meditation Park in the middle, which I wrote actually before I started working on Ninth Floor. But this new one, which I'm calling Mama right now, this thriller that is so unformed, there's some real darkness in there that when I was writing one of the characters, the the character of the um, antagonist in the Mm -hmm. story, and it got to... Name name something significant that happened to you in your past. It was such creepy, freaky stuff yeah. that I sort of put, stopped typing and ran out to Brent and went, oh my God, I have never written a character where they're coming from that kind of place. Like, you know, where mm. there's a history of uh, familial sexual abuse. Yeah, That's not something I write about. No. It's, it's um, not something I in in my comedies it's not something that comes out yeah. right but in order to write a thriller why you is the bad person have, bad
0: yeah exactly They're
1: bad because of and because i believe personally that most people are trying to be good it's something that happened in their it past it breaks
0: them yeah yeah something mentally, that broke them that yeah.
1: that has making them create yeah badness again in their lives right it's like a circle but so that from one film to another there's a there's a change yeah even though i didn't I never anticipated. I didn't know this film was coming after Ninth Floor. Sure, like you don't know what's gonna yeah. grab your yeah, fancy. Yeah, it's like writing
0: a song. Right, well, here's that song. You here's know. that song. Only and it's then three minutes and not three and a you know two hours.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it's three minutes and then it's actually it's funny because you know Ben Folds, who we know. Yeah. Um. He, we <laughs> used to talk about how I'd be like, "Your that song philosophy is perfect. Like mm-hmm. it is a perfect song," and he's like, "Well, it's not making a movie." Yeah. Movies are harder. And it's like, actually, I kind of think writing songs are also equally as hard. Right.
0: Because you're writing a million or a thousand words or 1500. You're writing a movie in three minutes. That's you're right. You're putting a scene in people's brain. Yeah. And then they have to mentally image or mentally create what's happening in the song. Yeah. And when you do it right, correctly, it's awesome. I mean, same thing with movies because yeah. movies are a little bit on the nose sometimes. You're yeah. like, really, that happened? Oh, I'm so not surprised. Right. You know?
1: It's almost like there's something about that structure in songwriting and I think um, in filmmaking too, in storytelling, where your it's a familiar box that you're playing in, sandbox that yeah. you're playing in, but you got to lead people there slightly differently. It's got it's got to feel surprising and inevitable at the sure. same time. And touch
0: touch. Um, touch spot where you can it touch them in a the thought where like I could be that person or I could be in that situation that's right you know? yeah it's so somehow
1: not... you're leading and speaking to people I think it's similar sure similar directing of people's emotions in right. music and in film yeah. of course music transcends all of everything because it's not so often music that's instrumental it's not language based Yeah. so it's got a little bit more ability to be free like for instance when people are on their deathbed we're not thinking about movie clips to show them. No. We're true. playing music. That's true. That's right? That's true. Yeah. So I kind of think music wins <laughs> for that reason. <laughs> right? Yeah. No yeah. one's ever gone, watch this great scene from Step Brothers. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, even though yeah. that would probably make me laugh on my deathbed, yeah. but that's not what people are doing. Yeah. People are like, listen to this great song from the Beatles that might yeah. make us all There's
0: that touching video that was out a couple of months ago about the old couple and she was on the deathbed and he's singing it to her. It's. It's pretty heavy Mm. singing like old numbers and say, you know, but she was like, uh, you know, maybe an hour away from death and they're having this moment, they're sharing about music and, you know, kind of got a little nullified that it was on Facebook. So you're watching this on Facebook? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. No, moving on. Where's the one with cats hanging out of trees? I want those videos back, you know? It's kind of
1: weird, eh? That that we, well, Facebook is really good for expressing um, a solidarity of mourning. I feel like, like, Mm like it's the grieving ones that or the happy ones that I look at. Yeah. uh, I was
0: looking at like, there's, there's, um, there's, there's three types of Facebook, Facebook posts and, and two of them are entirely wrong by there's like the fuck my life. And you're like, okay, that's your update. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, what's going on? There's some, you know, so you're reading like obviously negative things into it, but it could be completely served in a completely different direction. Right. Right. You know, and then, then there's the uh, the needy. I'm I've had the flu for. Fi- I need yeah, people yeah. to care about me. Right, you right. know, my, my
1: ones. <laughs> and I'm apologize to any of my Facebook friends who are listening to this. Mm-hmm. But the ones that blo- that that I still find sh- sort of, I haven't quite unpacked what it means yet. But the ones where it says. Please copy and paste that you've read my Facebook oh, post or yeah, else I yeah. will delete you off my Facebook yeah. list because I really need to know we're really, really friends. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> Delete away. Yeah. I'm Go ahead like, for it. I'm just like, I don't even know how to copy and paste on yeah, my iPhone. Yeah. So that's or not going to Share gonna
0: if you believe in this, uh, this philosophy that I'm presenting to you. Now, the one I hate the most is this was just a normal everyday situation. And what happened after will make your mind explode. Right. There's that same clickbait <laughs> Facebook post. Oh, and, yeah. And then all it is is you, you well, oh, okay. Well, this sounds like, you know, what he said after made my heart break or something. You're like, yeah. oh, okay, I'll see. It's just clickbait. It's just like, ugh,
1: Ah, right. Ugh. And you got it. Yeah.
0: And actually, we got past it, but I was going to mention like about your, your documentary, Ninth Floor. There was a lot. There was a lot of similarities about what's happening today yes. with society, and I'm sure that was in your brain about profiling and how people look at a race of people and say, "I don't know about that." Yeah, you know, and yeah. it's unfortunate, but people have that that thing in their head that that this stigma they can't lose the fact of just blatant racism. Right. 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 We're there now with Muslim and, and people escaping their country from death that are being judged and looked at as terrorists. Right. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Like, yeah. it's just, it's, yeah. it hurts yeah. to watch right. people getting, they're running to freedom and there's like reporters tripping them. Right. You know what I mean? It's oh, like, God. what yeah. the hell has happened to this world when we can't well. accept people? It's happened throughout generations. You I know,
1: mean, as Chris Rock said, you know, he goes, you know, this is a time when white people are nicer than they've ever been. <laughs> to black people ever yeah right there's a gr- and yet there's
0: a bigger evil demon out there yeah, right now, yeah.
1: but at the same time uh are we th- you know what what does it mean that the, the white people are so nice it's like you're still you're still separating Yeah, you know and once you se, when you start separating it makes it really easy to demonize and exclude right yeah i think it's a tent we have such a tension between sort of opening our hearts and closing our hearts right now as a as a global community. I think that's what it is. Like don't don't make me open my heart to anybody else. I right. might lose something. It's like mm-hmm. falling in love. I'm scared. I'm scared of mm-hmm. reaching out to my neighbor. Um so so we're closing up in a way. Like it's almost like the extreme reaction. It's like I'm just gonna shut myself down so that I won't ever get hurt by you. you desensitized by
0: all the craziness out there, I'm just gonna switch off. Yeah,
1: I'm gonna switch off. I'm gonna, I'm gonna um, play my iPad game and forget that people are dying all over. I, I don't like to think about it all day long either. It just gets you down, right? right. Like it's nice to be in the present with your family and going, knowing your world's okay. But, but I, I do also think that we can. There's something we can do about.
0: Yeah, well, technology has made things so much easier for getting information. It doesn't make it good information or correct information. It's information.
1: Well, I think, but I don't think, I think you can be influenced by technology, but I think the change comes when um, I'm walking down the street and I am scared of somebody because of something they're saying. Something about their physicality is is making them off-putting to me. Mm -hmm. And instead of, sinking into my fear, I look at them when I cross them. And that alone, the fact that I've acknowledged that other person and looked at them, creates little ripples, I think. It creates
0: a contract at this point. You've looked at this person, you've said, I I can see you. I know what you're doing. And you look them in the eye and that will give them, that's actually, isn't that one of the... Self-defense. Self-defense first...
1: But it's also, I think, it's funny, it's Mm self-defense, but it's also compassion.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know,
1: that you look at someone and acknowledge them, and yeah. then suddenly they're not a threat to you anymore. You're not a threat to them. Because yeah. all that whole thing is, like, sometimes you're bringing the threat into... The fact that I'm scared, I'm bringing the threat then into the room. Then they turn
0: like dogs, and they smell fear. And That's then right. It becomes a, 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 well, they a, don't
1: know if they're supposed to be scared of you, because you're yeah, reading yeah. You're reading weird. Yeah. Like, how many times have you been in an intimate work situation where you're meeting someone for the first time, and they just seem like they they brought the cold in with them mm-hmm. into the room mm-hmm. and it has nothing to do with you. Like, yep. often, it's not, like, this. you know, just philosophically when I deal with people, it's like, it's not personal. Whatever it is, that they're, they're, they may be yelling in my face, mm-hmm. screaming racial epitaphs at me, right? But at the same time, it wasn't the first time they were racist. Yeah. I'm not the first person they ever hated. Yeah. So this, whatever's coming at me from this person, I don't have to accept it, no. but I also... Have to
0: acknowledge it and let them say their bit and then go. Let them do their thing. I don't
1: have to have it. It doesn't have to affect me because it's not personal. Sure. I mean, yes, a a a racist hating a person of color, it feels really personal Mm -hmm. because I'm under threat. Like if someone's Mm -hmm. yelling at me because I'm Chinese and a woman, I feel under threat. But at the same time. It's not the first time they've done that. I'm not the one Chinese person that they felt threatened by. Yeah, exactly. There's something going on there. It it takes a lot to, I had a situation um, a while ago where it was like a perfect demonstration of me being super zen about how to deal with uh, differentness. Mm -hmm. Um, I was driving in my car and pulling, I was in an alley and getting to the uh, end of the alley where it meets a street. And on the street, the skateboarder came along. Mm on the sidewalk and he was zooming really fast and i almost didn't see him and then i saw him i hit my brakes and i turned the corner to go to the coffee shop and damn he was going into the coffee shop Uh oh So, and i was like i can avoid this yeah. i can go home and just not get coffee sure forget it or i can go in so i went in and he, and he was screaming at me in the car he just looked at me and he was like he didn't say anything racist, mm. but he was like, watch where you're going. And I was like, I saw you. I'm sorry, right? I saw yeah, you. Yeah. So I get there and he's in front of me in the lineup and he looks at me. He goes, you were driving too fast. And I said, well, you weren't supposed to be coming down a street, um, approaching an alley as fast as you were going. I said, look, yeah. I was scared too. You scared me. I haven't had enough coffee. I'm sco- And then I said, I'm sorry if I scared you. Mm-hmm. And he just softened mm-hmm. and he went, Cool, okay,
0: cool. And that's a lot about conflict management that, you know, we learn as we get older. Because yeah. Because if this was 10 years ago, you'd be in his face, go,
1: fuck you. Fuck you, do fuck do you, do yeah. yeah, screaming okay. at each other.
0: Let's do this, let's step aside. Yeah, yeah, All right. totally, you yeah. You know, yeah, you to yeah. hit a woman, you know what I'm Instead,
1: <laughs> the whole thing was like, I acknowledged where yeah. I was coming from, yeah. and then it allowed him to acknowledge where he was sure. coming from. Yeah. And I... I couldn't believe I walked into that situation. I'm not like a saint or anything, but I told my friend and he was like, oh, that's like one of those emotional intelligence stories where you're actually reading someone emotionally.
0: Yeah. You're agreeing with them? Yeah. Maybe I did. Maybe this, but we're both part of this they were both part of this and
1: i'm sorry and you're sorry yeah by the end he wanted to buy me a coffee yeah yeah. you know and yeah because you
0: you you empathized with his situation yeah that's what this world is all about right you know can you
1: relate can you i relate relate, so the the whole thing is in ninth floor i'm trying to make the audience feel like they're being watched yeah in parts of the film yeah because if you know what it feels like to have power over someone by watching them Mm -hmm. um you also should know how it feels to be watched. And once you've been in the position of being excluded and watched, mm-hmm. maybe the next time you might not do that.
0: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so the, oh yeah, definitely. You know, cuz it's a yeah. it's a
1: reflex. Like, yeah. I can't believe how many beautiful, lovely people I have in my life who harbor um really unskillful thoughts around other people. Like where it's like yep. don't let the don't let the if, be, if, if Trump gets in, yeah. the black people are coming to Canada. Yeah. And I, I actually said to somebody, what's wrong with them yeah. coming to Canada? I cuz I have many friends of different colors who've escaped to Canada. Yeah. From from Syria, from America during Detroit riots in the 60s, from you know, we, we are a safe ha- safer haven sure. than a lot of alternatives, Absolutely. right? So what so when this person said, a family member actually said, um, you know, the blacks are coming. I just looked at them and I was like, you, "You saw my film, didn't you?" Is what I was thinking, right? And you say you loved my film. Yeah, well, yeah. I said, I said, "Why, why would that be a problem?" He goes, "She goes, well, it's, it would be, um, if they've got a chip on their shoulder." And I said, "Well, they're not. Oh, okay. I then said, they're not criminals. Ignorance. It's ignorance. I said, it's, would uh, they, would we let criminals into our country? Yeah. The, and then Brandt actually very smartly said, "They're refugees. Mm-hmm. If they were coming here because of Trump." They would be refugees from a civil war in their own country, and yeah. I was like, "Yeah, that's right." So, the, like, the, but but I but I what I truly was truly
0: afraid of what could possibly happen.
1: Yeah, if they live there, if they, what is that about? That's, like, what? Yeah, what? Like your nice neighbor who happens to be a different color than you? Yeah. who's escaped from America? What are they going to do? They're going to be so. They're they're going to be great people, contributors, because they're not living in America. That's anymore. right, and they'll do their <laughs>
0: damnedest, like as immigrants, to make the society better that's right like, it's like a lot of americans perception of canadians is hilarious like you got your free health care <laughs> and you got your commie prime minister up there who's you know good looking dyes his hair and you know it's just there's is such a and you got your music scene where it's government run right right you right. know
1: and your culture you have no also idea
0: how much we contribute into that to make that happen yeah, you know, just from taxes and things. well, yeah, like that.
1: you think like you know, you think our things are more expensive in
0: Canada. There's a reason. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so sure. There's um, a reason. Taxes the, from
1: all over place to be able to pay for all that. Sure, right?
0: you know, and that that's what that's what happens. is you know, people I, are like capitalist point of view is like, well, I got my house and my right, stuff, right, my yard and my car, right. And I'm not paying taxes for nothing, right? It's like, well, okay.
1: Well, the, but then that's exactly. Well, I mean, you know, this, this is exactly why. Um,
0: sorry Americans if I'm dissing on you because not a lot of our friends are
1: we're Canadians trying to fix the problem (laughs) 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 which is ridiculous like I don't even like talking about the American situation because I'm a Canadian so but what what I can say about being in Canada because we have socialized Medicare because I've seen firsthand how they treat the poor Mm-hmm. with my parents and when they were a- when they were aged and needed help yeah. how there was a safety net for them how there was a system in place there was real compassion yeah that means i'm growing up in a society where i have less fear that i'm going to be left mm-hmm. out without my own house and car and gun yeah. right so because i have less fear and i'm growing up in that environment I'm reverberating less fear. Yeah. And we live in a, we just live in a calmer society. And sure, we
0: have that. homeless problems. We, we have racism. Crime, we have, racism. Racism. we, have, we all have all the stuff. The stuff. Yeah, we do. We, <laughs> we do. We have it all up we here. We just can't kill you.
1: That's with right. With guns. That's right. And yeah. that's a big thing. Absolutely. And also the fact that if you, if there's anything happened to you, Simon, right now, mm-hmm. and you're out of province. I could get home. We could go to the, you get home, you get to the doctor. No problem. No problem. Right? Like, for the most minor bee sting that you're not sure about, yeah. you can go to a doctor. Mm-hmm. Well, the fact that you're not low-leveling worrying about that because yeah. you can't pay for your Medicare yeah. probably means you're not yelling at your kids. Yeah, and there's an underli- yeah. <laughs> right
0: there's an underlying um, ethic in America saying if you're a freeloader, then you're not contributing into right. the dream, right? The American dream. If you're just freeloading, because that's the way it's perceived, right? Is you just get free stuff, right? Right. But there's more to it than that. But so, I mean, we can't educate everybody because the funny, the most Americans probably we have on this show are like-minded people. Like, I'm sure there's no Trump supporters on this uh, podcast. But
1: see, for me, if there was, Mm -hmm. I'm okay with that because you're allowed to have your opinion. Absolutely. I actually think the whole thing, uh, not to analyze the American system, but I tend to analyze anything in the world that's happening, any world events, I, I often will look at it and go, what does it mean from a story perspective? Yeah. What does it mean when you're, if I wrote this, if I wrote that in 2016, the world is further, North America is further along in um, human rights in some ways, and at the same time, they're about to elect Donald Trump. Yeah, That is an interesting tension for a film. Like you've got this opposing force of like, sure, you can be any color you want. We don't even care what, you can be gender fluid. Mm -hmm. You can be uh, freedom of speech. And then so the other extreme is this orange person who is going to take over the world. You, I Mm -hmm. couldn't, if I wrote that in a Hollywood script, they would go, nah, it's too on the nose.
0: Yeah, two on the true. nose, man.
1: Yeah, that's not.
0: <laughs> if, we, but if, we, if we go back eight years and see what Barack Obama wanted to do, the hope and change, and let's right, right. do this, and not speaking out against um, what do they call them uh, name dropper or not the um, the the squealers and things like that, like having protection. That none of that happened. Right. So. Saying that, there's hope that right. if even if Trump was elected into office, I'm sure they wouldn't give him the keys to the nuclear bomb silos. I hope not. I'm sure of it. <laughs> Right, I right, guarantee right, it. Because right, right. the good message that I'm saying, based on my opinion, the good message that Barack Obama had, never really got put into fruition, never came to fruition. Right. So saying that, American politics is furthered just a little bit, despite right. him being into in office. Now we have Trump. It's going to get pushed a little bit in a direction, but only a little bit. Right. It's, you know, I don't think oh, we're going to be Oh, you're saying in terms of the... the just the changes and the, whatever... How much power anybody really does How much power the have. American president really has. Has in their eight years or yeah. four years. I know. Or, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of conspiracies around there, but a lot of the things you'll see that the military actually runs America. There's right. not a lot, you know... Well, the
1: military, which is the corporations. Then. Military comp? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I you know... The like, I'm not f-
0: afraid. I'd love to see that wall. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to see that wall. That'd be so awesome. I'm a little afraid. I'll help build that wall. Well,
1: see, I'm a little afraid. <laughs> I'm a little afraid because I'm a person of color. Sure. Like I went down to Oregon recently and saw the anti-immigration billboards Ugh. that were on the freeway that someone yeah. paid for. We we in Canada are not allowed to buy billboards that say that.
0: You know, of course. <laughs> but yeah. they can down there. Yeah, free so speech.
1: it's sort of scary. That's my mother actually, you know, not. Extremely educated. Um, po- she's not a political person. She refused to go to America during the the Trump rising mm-hmm. um, when he was first getting um, uh, trying to get the Republican nomination. Right. She was like, "I don't want to go down there. I'm scared." And mm-hmm. I was like, "You know, I totally respect that. Let's go spend our money, our vacation money, in Victoria, BC instead. Yes. And not, you know, not um, no way. but but it's so so it's. I think it's a really interesting time in terms in our in our development as a civilization in that you have children our kids who are mm-hmm. taught to care for the environment, care for themselves, and care for their community yeah because we're we need to start doing that because of the of
0: globally oh, how yeah. global warming absolutely. And, and scarcity of resources and whatnot. Maybe to a fault, maybe a little bit too much. But at the same well, time, you can could take it over that cliff a little further if you It's funny because
1: it's like they're being brought up with that. So that's going to, yeah. that if that's in their education system. It is. It's part of the curriculum. Yeah. Right? So yeah. we're going to start seeing leaders and thought leaders in, yeah. from that generation.
0: Yeah. As long as they don't fuck it up somehow. Yeah. Because they know they will.
1: Well, there's also the <laughs> extremists too, right? Yeah, Who are yeah. not gonna be wanting to do that. But yeah. But so you've got this kind of like, we're all one, yeah. you know? And at the same time, people are holding on very tightly to say, No, we're not. We're not one. Yeah, there's always I actually fear. have power over you because yeah. I was here first. Yeah. Or whatever whatever the reason, whatever their criteria for thinking they right. have power over you. Yeah I think it really comes down to um, uh, being afraid of death. I really think, like, bottom line is, like, not understanding and accepting that we are finite here. Like, you know, I read something really cool, um, and somebody sent me one of these free will astrology. It's in all the Georgia Straits Mm -hmm. and the Now magazines. It's the astrologer, Rob Bresney, And he said, you know, in a thousand years from now, no one will, will remember you. No one will remember what you've done. Anything you contribute now is insignificant. And then he said, I don't believe that. What if... My hypothesis is, my belief and my prophecy is, is that in a thousand years, everything you do now will matter because you'll be, re- this is his story, right? Mm-hmm. You'll be reborn into a, a, another body a thousand years from now where you remember everything you did yeah, now. Genetic today. Yeah, genetic memory. Yeah. So he was like, what would you do if that was, if that was the case? If, mm-hmm. if what you do right now, um, what if you could live like your soul was eternal so that in a thousand years you're reborn and everything you've affected today yeah. had something to do with a thousand years from now. Yeah. And I, that gave me pause. I actually went, just from a story perspective, how yeah. interesting is that, right? Yeah. Um, and then I started thinking, well, what am, what am I doing? What yeah. is Mina doing with her life that is can contribute a thousand years from now? And it's yeah. like, I do think I'm doing something, I'm agitating for people to be, All sorts of characters. Um, I think particularly people who don't have any power to find their own power.
0: Yeah, and we couldn't be in a better time for that right now. Yeah, so
1: it's like whether you're the freak with green hair and one toe... There's a power uh, of
0: knowledge now that we all can get.
1: That You can actually find a way to feel...
0: Because 30 years ago, you'd have to go to the library. Nobody liked going to the library. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't really like that part, but now you just your libraries in your pocket, and you library can go. In your pocket
1: you can you can you have you can reach out to communities sitting by yourself. Mm-hmm. You can, but also I think philosophically we are in a time where, um, we f- we know what it's like not to have thought that th- what we do today affects a thousand years from now.
0: Yeah, no, I truly I agree with you a hundred percent. You know, think about what we were like like uh, two hundred years ago. I mean, we had boats with masts. And now we have machines and computers and things that, you know, there's certain things that I'm doing right now that I think if I would put into 200 years ago, they'd probably burn me at the stake. Right. If you they'd, said
1: this is what was going to happen. Yeah. They yeah. would say,
0: he's a witch. Or if I could prove this sorcery right. that well, we're doing now every day and not even thinking about it.
1: I'm thinking less in terms of technology in a thousand years from now, but I, I do think in terms of like, what can you do? What can Simon and Mina do sitting here? Why are we doing this podcast? Yeah. Right. Well, this will
0: go somewhere. It'll be a thousand years from now. Think about that.
1: Well, or, or one, all you need, this is the punk rock myth, right? Mm -hmm. All you need is to change that one person. Yeah. And that person may be the person that will affect someone else's change. Yeah. That will affect some bigger change. Absolutely.
0: And that's the thousand year theory is that it might be a different diluted version of a big idea. Yeah. But it'll be that idea nevertheless.
1: Well, it's like you were saying last night when we were talking about, you know, in, you can see a world where it's like genderless, mm-hmm. uh, in because like, because we are we're not a, we're trying so hard to break those gender boundaries mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. That what if we are genderless? Well, that could be the case in a thousand years. There's
0: nothing wrong with that too. There's nothing wrong with society being one, because right. that would be the most oneness and the most equality things that we were fighting for in the '90s. Right, equality. How much more equal can you get? How can, really, much more if you, think about can you it, where than that? Yeah. I look like you, you look like me, we yeah. all look like each other. I mean,
1: I think to reach genderless, you'd have to re- really... I don't know how you do it. There's a thing...
0: There's- I don't think it'll be what's on your body that determines what your sexuality is. is oh, what no, a, no, no, you no. Know, I'm just yeah. saying we will just all have the same... When you go to Walmart, the super mega awesome superstore in 10, 100 years from now... There won't be a boys' department or a girls' department or a right. men's and a women's. It'll be stuff. <laughs> yeah, here's your stuff.
1: Or what if capitalism fell apart in a thousand years and we went back to a barter system where uh-huh. there is no gender because you're getting the hand me downs from your neighbors.
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> because
1: you gave them a chicken. Yeah. <laughs> or, you yeah. know, I don't know where it's gonna. I don't know where it's gonna end up, but I do. I'm also not. I don't believe I have any control over anything, really. No. I only have control over the world I'm creating right now. Yes. And so... But you're
0: passing it on to your smaller one.
1: Yes, I'm passing it on to my smaller one. And, and, and anyone else who will listen. Yeah. Um, I don't... I know from... As a living, breathing human being, living with other human beings, being closed is not the answer. hmm Walking into any situation where you're closed is not the answer. Even when you're scared. Yeah there's no wrong with being nothing wrong yeah. with being open. You probably get more accomplished. It, it's unfortunate
0: open. that I think you're right. And I think they're teaching this in school as well as is, is, is acceptance of each other. Like they've somehow since my son Everett was in kindergarten to now going into grades eight, they've bullying is completely outlawed, uh-huh, uh-huh. you know, and a lot of people say, Oh, a little bit of healthy bullying makes the whole soul strong. It's like, you know, it's like, some people say that. Some right. people have that objective point of view. It's like I wouldn't be me if I wasn't bullied. Right, right, you know, is right, this, right. This, uh, you know what I mean? Bullied. Yeah. You know, bullied. Right. Yeah. yeah. Here we well, are. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, There is a case for. Well, you need a little bit of accountability. Well, the
1: thing is, I don't think bullying may be outlawed. Yeah, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Exactly. It I just. Mean, it's I different see it in my work environment. Okay. Yeah. Like we're talking adults, right? So well, I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. I'm
0: talking about the people below, like our children yeah they're coming through a school saying if you see a bully you come and tell there's no That's shame right. whereas when we are in school there's a big shame for sure, narking yeah, yeah, yeah. on a sure yeah with- actually
1: we just had a friend's kid say he was bullied mm-hmm. and so there was a conversation between the principal my friend's parent my friends who are the parents yeah, and then the parents, parents of the other bully, kid yeah, yeah.
0: bully's a bad name it's a bad word
1: bad word right bad. now but you know what i don't know i don't think I don't think otherness and trying to have power over someone else because of otherness is ever going to go away. No. Unless we can shut off the fight or flight response. Because it comes from primal... It's a primal reason why we're afraid of people or things that we don't understand. Of course. It's, you know, because the lion is going to eat you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It goes way back to that. Yeah, 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 it goes to that. So I don't know if that's going to go away unless... You know, we all become expert meditators or something. I'm not mm-hmm. sure how, but but we are in a civilization where we can actually check our heads a little bit. There is so much pop psychology out there Yeah, that pop psychology is being taught our children before they've even have a sense of psychology. Yeah. And they're not even working out their manias yet. Yeah. And yet they're being taught how to, con- how to control or listen to your feelings or mm-hmm. what does it take care of your feelings? Sure. On a, on a chart at school, I saw take care of, you know, do your homework, stay clean, like hygienic, mm-hmm. take care of your feelings. And I was like, oh, my Whoa. God. In yeah. grade, this is primary school. I'm seeing yeah. this. Uh, I don't think I learned that language until I was in university. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, teaching kids that may, instead of picking up a gun, they might. To stop for a minute and think, think. <laughs> yeah. about it right yeah
0: absolutely um, there's but, a lot to be said about looking back and saying, oh let's assess this situation that's right what's happening right now but but are well, seven life sucks right now yeah you know
1: <laughs> but I don't know if we can completely it would be a lie I think to ever say that we're never afraid
0: right well I don't think well like it goes back to you need a, a always a little bit of something in your life to make you think and reassess what life is all right, about because right, right. if we completely outlawed bullying and we completely outlawed people being bad to each other. Right. I got a feeling that would be possibly manifest into something in a couple of years from now. Not so cool.
1: Right. Yeah. You know,
0: because then everybody, as soon as you get just a little bit of snark going on, then you're you're offending me. You're bullying right, me. Right, then right. the bar is lowered for what sensitivity is. Right, right, right. And, and unfortunately, then you've got
1: non-resilient people who cry all the time.
0: Exactly. <laughs> and I see it with millennials that I work through in right, my right. old school, where they're just completely self-absorbed because they were told by their parents how special they were. Right,
1: right, right. You're a snowflake. No, you're not.
0: You're just a pressure. You know. You know. I think. I think we can agree on this. Sometimes life needs to have a little bit of accountability and, and a little bit, not shame, that word, but you need to sort of say you are accountable for your actions as right. a person. And yeah, we're speaking to. for yeah. to our kids. Right, And so far, it's worked pretty good for me. Because right. my kids, whenever they would sit at a restaurant, they wouldn't make eye contact with you. Yeah. You look at that person. That yeah. person's asking you, and they're going to bring food to your table. Right, You look at them, and you give them respect by locking eyes with these people. Yeah, and right. now you're at the restaurant, and you're like, hi, may I have, please? And I'm like, a little tear in my eye. I'm like, oh my God. That that's worked. the, the yeah. first thing about respect is that. You're acknowledging Right. Cause I've seen so many like, I want this. Yes. It's like, okay. Oh, he's just, you know what I mean? He's so a, shy. Just yeah. a little bit of something, you know? And I see you do it too. you like, you have to, yeah. you have to have a little bit of something to say, Hey, you're in this global community. Act like a, a person, like a human being. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I see that a lot, you know? And I think, I hope to think that that's sort of going to be a thing. People are like, because everything has a reaction, goes to a certain spot and then boom, like, yeah. and then it, Completely changes on its ear because well, people I wonder, are sick. Yeah, of I that.
1: wonder about what's going on right now. What the What the revolution's going to be? Yeah, it's coming. because it's coming. It's coming. I don't mm-hmm. know what. I don't know what it's going to look like. But uh, yeah, how do we? How do we stop? We, we we have to. One of the guys in Ninth Floor, Rodney John, who uh, it's like the chief narrator in the film. Really, mm-hmm. he's he, he said the only way you can. Um, grow as a society is to understand yourself right so in other words like i'm reacting because i'm scared of somebody i actually break that down to what that is Mm -hmm. before i react yes that's a but that's that means education that means when when you're an immigrant working three part-time jobs and Mm -hmm. a full-time job to Mm -hmm. make ends meet for your family there's not a lot of time for self-reflection
0: Nope, agreed. I'm,
1: I'm not saying that they're not self reflexive people, no, but,
0: but you're totally but right. You're ec- too busy get making ends meet yeah, to worry economy, about
1: you. Economy economy yeah. um, is a huge thing. Yeah. Right. It's like it takes up a lot of time. Oh yeah. And if you're if you're in a different power position where you're not the educated landed immigrant who's been here for five hundred years, yeah. you you've got a different set of challenges. Yeah. I think definitely. challenge is good. I don't uh, Ah, uh, there's a great book that I haven't even read, but my friend Alain Mustai has. It's coming out soon. It's called All the Wrong, All Our Wrong Tomorrows, and it's about a guy who um, lives in a utopian society in the near future, and he goes, he gets shipped to the Earth where it's not utopian yet, and he's not sure if he wants to go back to utopia
0: oh because of the challenges put forth like if utopia means all the problems are solved Solved,
1: then what is like everybody's just happy yeah exactly what does
0: that look like exactly because
1: like if you think about storytelling actually the crux of storytelling is always conflict
0: there's a bit of conflict it's always conflict conflict it's either
1: it's sometimes it's not necessarily internal conflict Or external conflict. It's not necessarily war, but it's war within yourself because you feel guilty about who you've become. That's good movie making. Yeah, it's good movie making. Well, it's also that the reason stories are the way they are is because that's a desire. That's a need in human nature. That
0: goes way back even to like before as words were being written. The
1: caveman paintings were about hunting down food. Yeah. So there was a pursuit. They weren't sitting around going, Utopia, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it wasn't two guys in a lounge chair. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's was... an interesting look at it. We're like, what if, what if all the problems were yeah. solved? Yeah, in the world.
1: That's right. What, what would be, that look like?
0: What would happen?
1: Yeah, that's a good movie. Well, what would <gasps> your life be like? Right well, been. his Shh. his that book has already been optioned for six figures. It's oh, it's, well, let's, it's already let's been changed like, a little. He's bit. already done it. It's already no. We'll it's will change fine. it just
0: enough. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. he was in. No, okay, never mind. I can't write that. <laughs>
1: Sorry, Elan Yeah <laughs>
0: Well, you know I think we're gonna go To the beach now Yay Yeah um, Awesome Mina, I could I really I. We could do Two, three episodes That we was We could do easy. a show I know That was, was really
1: an hour? Oh my that god It was over an hour Awesome, okay Yeah
0: Alright, cool Thanks, Simon Mina Shum, everybody What a great talk We got there We went deep That's, That was a nice long one Almost could have been Two-parters Probably ten minutes away From being a two-parter I think uh, episodes longer than 80 minutes is just too long. for Thanks so much for listening to this episode. Once again, brought to you by Amazon.com. Go to Applogue.ca and click on the banners on the right side. Use the banners uh, to shop on Amazon and support the show. Don't forget about Patreon, everybody. Patreon.com slash Go pledge to the show. Give it a buck. Give two bucks, give four bucks, give ten bucks, or give forty bucks. Forty bucks gives you basically a spot... Show and you can have literally tens of thousands of people listen to your spot and to your advertising. It's good money. It's good good just good science. Inside recorders, download codes, online mixing. Listen to the start of the episode for more. I'm not gonna waste your time. Oh, also applelog.ca shop for the t-shirts and for the acoustic album and for the discography. Don't forget, like the show on Facebook, Facebook.com slash pod. Follow me on Twitter at SimonHead6666. Three sixes. SimonHead6666. 666 Simonhead66. That's it. Next week, I have a podcast on a car. Um, this one's kind of loose. This is a loose one. You, you don't need to come back if you don't want to. But it, it was a fun one I did with Justin, Greg Bolton, and Curtis Weeks. We just did it off the cuff driving home from Manitoulin Island last weekend And and it was fun we had some fun we had some old tour stories and, you know it'll be fun one. but you know if you don't miss it I won't be, I won't be heartbroken, I won't be heartbroken. Sure. So we'll see you next week I got some great ones coming up too by the way um, real good ones I can't tell you which ones because they're not recorded yet but I got some good ones with some good old friends I got some new friends and I know there's going to be one with Son of Dave who used to be in the Crashers Dummies okay I'll see you next week okay bye